Welcome to the Main Street Murphy Podcast, a guide to all things Disney and Disney parks by two very self-aware grown adult men that were brainwashed to love Disney since birth. We have two sponsors for this episode. The first sponsor is Pixie Vacations by Alex Murphy. If you want to book a Disney vacation or Disney Cruise Line, please reach out to Pixie Vacations by Alex Murphy on Facebook. It is completely free vacation planning, and it will help you navigate through the new systems in place at Disney and the new reservation systems and answer any questions that you have. And the second sponsor is our usual sponsor at Chicago Marshmallow. Um, Chicago Marshmallow is gourmet marshmallows. Keep life fluffy. You can find them at chicagomarshmallow.com or at several different farmer's markets around the Chicagoland area. Episode of Main Street Murphy's podcast, a podcast of all things Disney and the Disney World Parks. Once again, I'm joined with my co-host and brother, Andrew. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Yeah, we're going to have a pretty normal show, pretty pretty normal um, scheduled show, where we're going to go over some Disney news first, um, and then we'll have maybe a short segment, and then really go into um, our usual draft of uh, drafting d- different Disney items. So today, it's pretty exciting. We're going to draft like a perfect Disney day. Um, which I'm really excited about. I have a lot of things written down. Hopefully I get what I, what I want in the draft, but we'll go back and forth and, and fight over a couple things. But Andrew, if you want to introduce the first news item. So uh, I was reading on the internet that the longest line out at Disney, Disney World after it opened up was actually for the Splash Mountain store, merchandise store. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that everyone is flooding there uh, to buy as much product as they can before the ride goes away. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, um, we're recording it the day after um, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom opened for the first time since the closures of coronavirus and COVID-19. So the first time the parks have been open in three, three and a half months. Um, and during that time, which we discussed a little bit on our, on our last podcast, was they introduced that Splash Mountain is going to be turning into a Princess and the Frog ride, retheming into it. So the funny thing is no one really knows when that's going to happen. Um, obviously the parks have been closed and Disney's biggest moneymaker is the parks. Um, so I know a lot of projects have been put on hold or completely stopped when, when the pandemic hit, uh, like for example, um, the, the refurbishment of, um, and Epcot helped me out the, Spaceship Earth. Refurbishment well, of Spaceship Earth. They completely paused that. They they paused a bunch of refurbishments um, about the Mary Poppins new ride. Um, a bunch of different things they they just paused. And I'm assuming right now they're reevaluating and see what they're going to keep on moving forward with. Um, 
I'm assuming some of the projects might even be canceled just due to them trying to recoup money from from the closure because, like I said, they lost multi-billion dollars. So um, this is kind of funny because I don't think Splash Mountain is going to be closed for a while. And I've heard multiple sources and, and different sites really reporting that there's a good chance that Splash Mountain is going to be open for another year before it goes down for refurbishment. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense because uh, they can only have so many things closed down and they don't want to really just completely take out all the rides that people come to the parks to ride. And Splash Mountain definitely is one of the like iconic rides that people do come to ride. And after being closed for so long, I can't imagine them making a big move like that so quickly out of just opening up. So, And what they said was they, they reconfigured it. So usually when you get off Splash Mountain, you can go into the Splash Mountain store, but you no longer can do that. Um, they have it blocked off, and they have a separate line that's socially distanced. And there was weights upwards of for the preview and – for the opening yesterday, waits up upwards of four hours, which is like the longest line out of any rides by three hours and 30 minutes from what I've seen. I haven't seen anyone really waiting, waiting lines over 30 minutes just because the crowds are so light. Um, and I've watched a lot of videos and a lot of like firsthand videos of, of people there and it is pretty empty. It's kind of shocking to see. Um, like the only time I can really remember it being that empty is like when they had Magic Kingdom um, late night hours, like around like one thirty, two o'clock. Like that's that's really how empty it is. One thirty a.m., two o'clock a.m. when they used to do that. And then maybe when we were younger, like really young, when our parents took her out, like took us out of school in December, early December, um, there was there was pretty low crowds then. But I mean. It's, it's pretty empty, to be honest. And the, the social distancing and everything that I've seen so far has been pretty impressive to me, at least. I mean, it looks like they really spent – they kind of did it behind the scenes, but they really spent their time making everything safe, like putting up all these plexiglass walls and, and the ride queues and the, the buses and the transportation. There's more plexiglass that I, I'd never even – I've seen ever in, in a Disney park. And that just shows how much they've been working during this quarantine, which we didn't even know about. That's true. I mean, I've also read that some of the rides are having a bit of trouble loading and unloading and keeping social distancing uh, realistic. Uh, the one that I saw, they're definitely having a lot of trouble with, which I'm not really surprised about, to tell you the truth, is Kilimanjaro Safari. Because, alone, I mean, the way that the ride is set up, you're fairly close to each other unless they go every other aisle. But you're still, you're still sitting almost like a bench seat on a bus. So that, that's one that, I, that I've heard they've had a little bit of trouble with, social distancing and keeping true to that. But at the same time, I'm not 
very surprised by it just because of the way the ride is and is loaded and how how it all works. Well, what they have on that one, which is kind of cool, is they're they're not doing every other row because they put the plexiglass between every row, and then they have plexiglass in between where you stand to load, and they have plexiglass all the way down the line, which is a long line um, that they have, the long queue, and they have plexiglass all the way in between, which used to be the fast pass line and the regular standby line, which is going to be used both sides for standby for the time being, because fast pass isn't a thing right now, Uh, and there's plexiglass all the way down. So I think... Obviously, that's kind of a ride that bottlenecks, and there's a lot of people in one place at one time. But I think they've done everything that they can to make it socially distant. Um, obviously, one family per row or one group per row, and then having that plexiglass separation is basically like having a wall there. So you're not going to get the droplets from row to row. But I see what you're saying because that's, that's a ride after the queue and you're going into those little sections where that's where your rows are, it gets like really crowded in that area. So if people aren't listening to cast members direction or, you know, people are looking at the scenery and not really paying attention, it definitely could get bottlenecked there and a bunch of people in one place. That is definitely true. I mean, it's Disney or pretty much anyone can only do so much. I mean, at a, at a certain point, is up to the public, guests, whoever, to social distance themselves. You can only yell at someone so much. You can only remind them so much. There's, there's really, I mean, people are going to do what, what they want. If they're not paying attention, like you said, if they don't want to. I mean, there's, there's very little you can do to control that through not, you know, ask them to leave or something like that. There's the people have to stay honest with themselves and they have to do it on their own almost. No, that makes sense. Um, But yeah, I mean, Splash Mountain, the, I mean, you're going to wait four, four hours for like a, a, a Br'er Rabbit stuffed animal when this ride's going to be open for, I understand if you're there for a, a certain period of time and then it closes in a year, but I feel like, you know, people are just trying to make a quick buck at a certain point where they're waiting and buying all these Br'er Rabbit, you know, figurines or stuffed animals or plushes, and then they're just going to go online and try to upsell them, which is, I mean, everyone's right. They can do whatever they want. It's just a little bit weird. I would say I don't think that's okay. I I personally don't think that's okay, but I mean, I mean, like you said, they could do it if they want, but like, it's kind of weird. And I I think it kind of takes away with, uh, takes away from, you know, everyone trying to enjoy the last couple rides of Splash Mountain, how it is, and then having those memories and maybe buying some merchandise. But I mean, at the end of the day, people are going to do what they, they do. Um, you can't really control that unless you limit the amount of merchandise that they buy or you completely shut down people selling stuff on eBay, which is not going to happen. So, I mean, it's always going to happen. Um, the second story that I wanted to talk about 
is originally Disney wasn't going to do any virtual queues, um, which I thought was kind of strange because I think the the biggest positive um, compliments that I've heard from Universal reopening is the the virtual queues and they have most of the rides on virtual queues. So it really, it, it cuts down on times just standing in line where you might be closer to people. Um, but Disney announced this week that they are bringing back the virtual queue for Rise of the Resistance, but it is going to be way different. So for some of you that who, who don't know how Rise of the Resistance virtual queue used to work, and I've never been on the ride just because uh, I was supposed to go in April, and then obviously that, that got canceled because of the coronavirus, and um, and it opened in December. So I, I went in October, and then I was supposed to go in April to ride it. So I haven't been on it yet, and Andrew, you, you haven't been on it either, right? I, I have not been on it. But I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen uh, how it used to work where you would have to get there very early in, in the day, like right when the park opens. And then, and you have to be already in the park when the park is opening. And then you have to open your app and just pray to God that you got your, um, your party timing correct. And you would sign up for the virtual queue and then they would give you a number. So the numbers would, would be, you know, really good numbers, like 11, a boarding group, like 11 or 15. And then some of them would be like 125 and sometimes they don't even get through 125 boarding groups. So that's how the, that's how the virtual queue used to work for when everything was, was normal. But now since you need a theme park reservation for, to get into a certain park at a certain day, um, what they're going to do is they're going to open up the virtual queue at three separate times during the day. And that's 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 4 p.m. So if you want, if you want to be in that first virtual uh, queue and, and start start getting your boarding group um, early in the day, then you basically got to be there when when the park is opening or within the first hour. And when that 10 o'clock comes around, you're gonna have to do the same thing and jump on the the app and get a boarding group. I think this is a great great thing for anyone that has a park reservation just because um when when uh hollywood studios opens up on the 15th everyone is going to rush the two rides and it's going to be mickey's runaway rail railroad or railway <laughs> and they're going to rush to rise of the resistance and 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 batu and go to all those rides so this is kind of a way to Thin the crowds that are going to be, you know, rushing to Rise of the Resistance right away since they have this virtual queue. And then it'll help manage the crowds in other areas too. So it'll be spread out and not every single person is in Star Wars land. I, th I think it also work out better in a way because it in a way kind of gives more people a chance to get on the ride. But like you were saying, sometimes people would be in, you know, boarding group 125 and they wouldn't get on the ride, but that's because they got in late or, you know, they did 
open up the app right away or uh, there happens to be a busier day. So splitting it up into three times of chance, you give it a little bit more of an opportunity for more people to actually have a real chance of getting on the ride. And also I think it'll make the, the line and everything, I think move a little bit more smooth. So and you don't need to be there at the I'm fairly on every time. Sorry. You don't have to be there like right when the park opens. Like it opens at 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 4 p.m. And also, I mean, with the restricted, I guess you can say, entrance to the park, that probably also helps with everything being a slightly more manageable. Yeah, I think that's going to be super interesting to see if it's going to be like really hard to get a boarding group when you want. Because obviously, we don't know the exact number, but most things are operating, we're guessing, between 25 and 35% occupancy. And based on the crowds at Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, it, it really looks like it's 25%. It's not, it doesn't look like it's any higher than that. So is it going to be tough? Are they going to cap it at a certain point, which I'm sure they will, but is it going to be tough to get these reservations? It's going to be tough. to. Also, my question is, uh, my question is, are you only going to be able to do it once? Because I can imagine the more sad once a day or something. Yeah. I can imagine more more savvy people. If they want to go on it multiple times, they're, they're going to be on the button for these rides. So, Right. Are they going to restrict people to only make like one reservation, kind of like a like they do with the did with the fast passes? We only got you know three a day. So, so the way the be, way the way the old uh, system worked was if you were holding a boarding group, you couldn't get another boarding group. So, like let's say you go in a boarding group at ten o'clock, and let's say you get your boarding group starts loading at 1 p.m. So obviously you can't get the boarding groups at 1 p.m., but I'm assuming maybe you would be able to get on a boarding group at 4 p.m. because you already went on the ride. So I think maybe, I don't know what they're going to do because they didn't limit it before, but there were so many people trying to get on the ride that it was impossible to get to unless you were like super lucky in the first group of people and then, you jump back on, on the app and you just luckily got one, which I saw a few people did, but it's very far between because there's so many people trying to sign in. But they allowed people to go on twice if you were able to do it, which almost no one was able to do it. So I'm assuming as, as long as you're not holding a boarding pass, you'll be able to get another one. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I was just saying, you know, if people are a little, a little bit wiser than other people, they might be able to, I don't want to say exploit the system, but be able to kind of get around so they can write it again if they want it. So. Yeah, because I, I mean, like I said, I haven't been on it. I've watched so many videos of it. It looks amazing. I want to get on it as much as possible, and that's just me. But um, now we we can go into to the segment that you came up with, Andrew, about – you can introduce it. it. I thought it was pretty interesting. So I uh, I was thinking, and I've I've been watching a lot of ride videos with 
my son Finnegan because he's really excited to go to Disney World. So as I was watching it, some of the videos came through and I was watching them and some of the rides that he watched and actually did enjoy were rides that don't exist anymore, which I know I enjoyed them. And I was a little disappointed when they got changed or updated. And I'm sure you probably feel the same, Alex. But I have a couple options that probably you wouldn't hear me say when I was younger. But now that I've gotten older and I would say probably braver, I actually wish that they would bring it back. And one, one, of, my, one of my choices is I know for sure going to be an extremely, extremely disagreeable choice. But I would really want to see how I, w- I would experience it nowadays you know, with, you know, being a father and being older and everything like that. And the one, one of the rides that I kind of wish they would bring back just because I would like to see what they could do and how it, you would, how I would experience it now was actually one of the rides that I was terrified as a child. And that was alien encounter in Tomorrowland. Yeah, I was looking at that. I didn't know it stopped operating in, like, 2003. That seems, like, so long ago. I thought it was, like, more recently. But, yeah, it's, I, I looked at that one, too. It wasn't on my list because I don't think I ever saw it because I just kept my eyes closed in fear the whole time when I was on that ride. But, uh, no, it's definitely a good pick, and especially – what it was replaced with, I mean, is not great. So, Yeah, I, I definitely – I couldn't appreciate it as a kid because it did what it was supposed to do and scared me almost to death. And that and Tower of Terror for a while was like the bane of my existence. I would be terrified – to go on it, which is kind of funny because I love horror movies now as an adult and I worked at haunted houses and my job was to scare people. So I think actually Alien Encounter made a quite uh, quite an impression on me as a kid and kind of brought me to loving to, you know, work in haunted houses and horror movies. But it was an example of what Disney could do if they wanted to scare you. No, definitely. what Disney, all the ability, all the all the creativity that they have, they definitely could make something that is just mind blowing, scary, and not a lot of people liked it for that reason because it was scary. I mean, it was completely in the dark, and they used state-of-the-art sound directional speakers and water spraying, and it was an air jets. It was it was an ex, a, a complete experience. You were in the dark, and you actually thought 
that there was some kind of alien flying around the room and attacking people and breathing in your face. It was, if you, th- I mean, if I think of it now, it was extremely cool just by their ability to do something like that. And it's pretty crazy. It was at a Disney park. If you think about it, because like the storyline was like he ate someone and he was trying to eat other people. <laughs> and it was pretty intense for if you think about it now for Disney Park. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I mean it was definitely better than what's there now for sure. Obviously, they're switching what stitches now for who knows what, but um, that's definitely a good one to to maybe bring back. I have a full list. I don't know if you want to like wrap it through all these lists or or I don't know how you want me to do it and talk a, a little bit about each one. I, I think we should talk about just maybe not as long as I just talked about Alien Counter. I wasn't really sure if our listeners ever re- wrote it. I mean, it really wasn't around that long and yeah, not a lot like of people ended up writing nine, it. Eight or nine years, I think it was around and like I said, it I thought I thought it was around longer than 2002 or 2003, but that's when it said it stopped operating. But my first one, which me and you spent a lot of time at, um, which is was probably one of my favorite parts of Disney World growing up, was Honey I Shrunk the Kids movie set playground, which was oh that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. They made you seem. It's kind of the same Imagineering they did with um, Toy Story Land at uh, Hollywood Studios where they made you feel like the size of a toy. They made you feel like the size of the the actors in the movie and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like the, the playground was a bunch of huge, tall blades of grass. And then there was like a film uh, for like a disposable camera that was huge. And then there was like different ants, ant statues that There's were giant. Jerry. Yeah, there was there was a like a huge playground, and then there was like different like areas that you can go into, and then there was a big like rope rope part where you would like balance on ropes to to go up. It was just like the best thing if you were ages like five to like twelve. It was legit the funnest thing ever. And I remember we would just go there for like an hour and then like our grandma or or our parents would just like sit and get like a small snack or drink from that, from that uh, stand they had there, which is still there. And they would just relax for a little bit while we went in this like huge jungle gym in the middle of a, a theme park, which was, you know, pretty crazy it wouldn't be open right now because of the covid but um it was pretty incredible i mean we spent hours and hours in there and it was you know one of the funnest times that you could have at hollywood studios most definitely most i mean that that, there are a lot of memories for something so i guess simple i mean there's really no moving parts or it's just just a playground so but it was a sick playground it was the safest playground of, of all um, I'll just do rapid fire, uh, illuminations, which we just lost, but obviously that's probably one of the best fireworks shows ever. Um, great music, great everything. Um, we don't know what 
the new fireworks show is going to be. We just know the the temporary replacement right now, and it's it's very very just okay. I would say uh, I like the kites in the show right now, but hopefully the one that takes a permanent place for illuminations um, is as memorable as illuminations because there's just so many memories around that fireworks show and seeing it with everyone because it was there for so long. It was there for like my whole life. It definitely. Um, I mean, it was firing all the fireworks and fire. Yeah, the music was just great too. Um, Yeah. Keeping it at Epcot, Maelstrom, obviously, that's such a classic ride. They replaced the Frozen Ever After, which is is good. I mean, it's a good ride. They needed to find some place for work to put Frozen. Um, I think it makes sense there. But Maelstrom was just such a a weird classic Disney ride that it, it kind of stinks that it, it was replaced. Um, but that being said, I don't dislike Frozen. I, I mean, my kids love it. They love that ride. It's their favorite ride. But that being said, Maelstrom was just such a weird, unique kind of ride that, you know, only Disney lovers would appreciate. So I, I'm going to name one, just like kind of sneak in here. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Okay. I understand it was kind of a simple dark ride, but it was it was fun. It, I believe it was replaced by Winnie the Pooh. So, which is not great. I mean, it's it's okay, but I mean, yeah, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was way better. Yeah, it, it was. It was. I, I, I'm going to say it was a little darker. Darker is in theming. At one point, lesson, you do it was lesson. It was a lesson involved. Yes. It yes. Wasn't just, wasn't just sunshine and half shirts and honey all the time. It was you had to learn not to drunk drive. Yeah, that's those are actually very good points. <laughs> and you, yeah, you die and you go to you go to hell and you see little demons jumping around and it was a very interesting ride the way they had it. And if I I'm thinking about it, I don't know if they even really changed the track or even how they didn't really change it, no. Everything I think they just rethemed it and made made the track work with what was already programmed into the ride now that I'm thinking about it. so I can understand why they took it away, but once again, it is better than the replacement. And I think that's a lot of rides that we wish were still around because they replace it with stuff that are, is not as good. So I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, I do have the studio backlot tour. That was always just fun. I mean, every aspect of it. I understand why it's gone and it takes a lot of moving parts to put it on. But, you know, when you would first come up and they would do the sound stage in the water, the, where you act out the, that shooting uh, submarine scene. And I know you did yeah, the Pearl Harbor it. scene. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you do it before? I, I was in it. Yeah. I was and in it one time. Yeah. And Anthony, I think did it before too. That's always entertaining, having the huge water hit the person. That's so funny. And then, obviously, the backlot tour, and then you go into, what is it called? Catastrophe Canyon, where the water comes down and shaking the bus and everything. And it, it was just a cool 
and and when they used to have like a legit backlot too, where you saw where they like filmed the Golden Girls and they and they filmed other stuff, and you saw props from different TV shows and movies that they did. I think it was just interesting, something different, and I think that's what used to make Hollywood Studios Hollywood Studios. They also showed you where they made a lot of the costumes for the park. You know, you go through a tunnel and you see all the, all kinds of famous costumes, and then. You go past a window and you see a lady sewing some costume for a parade, right. maybe in Magic right. Kingdom, but that's where they did a lot of the alterations, a lot of the fix repairs for a lot of the costumes that were worn outdoors and during dances and stuff. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that is on my list is Hollywood Studios or what used to be MGM. Um because so many unique things that they did there that maybe they did without knowing that it's going to last a long time, but they were like unique things to have in theme parks. Like I have obviously the great movie ride. I mean, I haven't been on the, the new uh, Mickey's railroad, which I, I heard it's, it's, it's really good and it's really well done, but great movie ride is such a classic for Hollywood studios. And I mean, when you thought of Hollywood Studios, you thought of what I thought of is Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, and Great Movie Ride. I mean, those are the first three ones that I would think of. Um, so, obviously, it's different now, but um, that's just like a, a classic one from our childhood. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea ride, which was replaced by the. Well, replaced by nothing for a while, but ended up being replaced by the Seven Dwarfs mine ride. Mine ride. Mine Is that coaster. Where it was? That's where it was. Yep, there used to be a big body water right there before they built all the princess area and where the mine coaster is. That's where Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea used to be, and they. I believe they still have it in Disneyland, but it, it was it was problematic. It wasn't very uh, wheelchair accept, uh, accessible, and it, it was probably fairly fairly expensive to keep going because everything was under the under the water, and it, it was it was just a really cool ride. I mean, it, it's been gone for a very very long time. Obviously, I feel but, like I remember it, but I, I mean, I was young, I think I was young when they took it out. Yeah, it was, it's, it, it, it was, it was a fun ride, it was very interesting. Um, I have Honey, I Shrunk the Audience just to show, just I mean, I'm not saying it was a great show, but it's way better than what they have there now, where it's just like the Pixar film thing that everyone's seen film the shorts film that's every everyone's seen a million times um so honey i tricked the audience i used to be so scared of that as a little kid because that the cat part of it the cat turns into a lion and it like almost eats everyone in the the theater when it was 3d that was very frightening um there's also the snake uh trying to bite you yes that was part of it yeah that was just overall very very frightening but it did have a great uh pre-show 
I think one of the best pre-shows ever. Um, True Colors by Cindy Lauper. They redid it. Fire Flames. The guy, the kid loses the frog, and the frog jumps out in the the family picture. Still great. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a. Uh, I, I want to mention the ones that I still have at Hollywood Studios. Superstar Television, that has been around in forever, but that one was awesome. You, people used to, it was a very, people used to play different roles, like you were John Wayne or you were uh, Lucy or Gilligan. Gilligan's Island or Lucy in like the, the candy scene. They used to do all those famous television scenes. They used to reenact them as guests, which, once again, that doesn't seem like something that can last a while, which it probably didn't, but that was so cool to have in the park. It's so like unique to have in a theme park. Um, and the last one I have in Hollywood Studios is very underrated, and I completely forgot it even existed until I was doing research for this, is <clears throat> excuse me, the Hunchback of Notre Dame musical. Um, and I don't know if you remember that. Obviously, you remember it, but very underrated. It was the, a good show. The talent was, was very, very good out there. You can hear bellowing through the whole area because they were, he was singing it so loudly, which is a very underrated Disney song, by the way. Um, so love that show. Tarzan Rocks. I don't know if you remember that at Animal Kingdom. Um that one was a little intense, though. That was they, very they, loud. They had, like, I think it was, like, skateboards and rollerblades and half pipes and stuff like that. Um, I mean, Tarzan is such a great such a great story and such great music that it definitely could have been probably more well done. But I thought it was kind of cool being, uh, you know, a smaller child and seeing them doing, like, bike tricks and rollerblade tricks during like a, a Broadway musical. So I'm going to bring it back to MGM and actually pretty much the same area as the Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, stage, which they ended up, I think they ended up tearing that down for lights, motor action, which I thought was an extremely cool yet. I can understand a, probably not a very financially easy thing to keep going because of me have cars speeding all over the place and almost crashing into each other and the margin of error was probably extremely extremely low but i thought it was a really cool car show it was very different at the time because you had the indiana jones uh show which was I mean, it was kind of like a similar idea, but it was all like car tricks and they showed you how they did car chases. And I, I thought I thought that was a very underrated and probably not a lot of people even remember that show. Yeah, I really like that show. Like I said, the first time I saw it, I was in awe. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I think I think what it lacked was like rewatchability because they never changed anything. And some of the gags they did were, I mean, you can say what you, you can say what you want, but at the end of the day, you knew that the little kid wasn't uh, controlling the, the big car with the, the remote control. And 
obviously it's, it's funny to see their reaction, but I think that's not like a very reusable joke. And I don't think the show was really very rewatchable, even though it was so incredible. The first couple of times you saw it, you're like, wow, this is so incredible. And then when you saw it the fifth or sixth time, you're like, okay, it's kind of loud. It's kind of hot. Uh, I mean, the cars are still really cool, but it wasn't, it didn't have me in awe like I I was in the first or second time I saw it. But I, I don't, what are they going to do with that? Because it's such a huge, like, amphitheater. So I don't know. That's, that's, I don't I know. Think is, it was, is it still there? I think it was torn down for, for Toy Story and, uh, it was already Star Wars. Yeah, I think it, I know. I think it's gone now. I think it's now uh, <laughs> part of Star Wars land. That's pretty crazy whatever. that they just tore that down because it was so giant. It fits so many people, um, and it was so hot. It was so hot in there. But maybe I understand why they tore it down. Um, the last two I have are kind of interesting. One of them is going to come back, but I feel like it hasn't been the same forever. Um, and that is Interventions at Epcot. Um, I feel like it's been closed forever, or at least one of them has been closed forever. And then the stuff that's been open and the one that's open, it hasn't been as cool. Interventions was the best part of Epcot growing up, and, uh, you know, outside the food. But just as a kid, it was the best, like going in there and seeing the different stuff that they were coming up with being able to send like virtual postcards, which was crazy back in the day, or, even just playing like new video games that they had. I, I thought it was like the best thing as a kid in Epcot just because Epcot tends to um, cater towards adults. But Interventions was always super fun. But I think once they started changing it up a little bit and refurbishing, refurbishing, I think they lost a little bit of what it was supposed to be. And then it hasn't been like regularly open for I feel like three or four years. And I know they're working on it. I know they're going to bring it back, but uh, I don't think it has been the same since. No, I agree. I agree. But hopefully, what they what they put there now is just as cool or cooler. So we yeah. shall see. And then one, the last thing I have is like a seasonal, a very seasonal thing. And I don't know if anyone is going to remember this, but it was Millennium Village at Epcot. That was awesome. It was, like, the coolest thing ever. They had, like, um, they had, like, uh, like these courses that you would go through that you get timed and stuff. And it was just, like, everyone was, like, so excited about it because it was, I, I mean, Millennium Village, it came out in 2000, right? That makes sense? Yeah. Because <laughs> the Millennium. Uh, it was just in, in, where was it? It was in between Canada and... Am I thinking the right right area? Yeah, Canada and England. Right where the where they have a lot of the food and wine demonstrations right there, right? That's where it used to be. Yeah, they use they use that for uh, party of the senses. Right, right. So the the Millennium Village was just as a kid, it was like the coolest thing ever. They had obstacle courses, they that you got timed. I mean, like I said, I mean two thousand I was only probably seven years old going in there so i don't remember a ton i just remember it super like being super fun it was like a miniature world showcase right it was it was the coolest thing ever and there was like just incredible i just remember as a kid just like incredible energy there and people were 
It was like basically a, a celebration all day long. And since I've been in, I, I've gone to Wooden Fine Food and Wine Festival for the past couple of years. And they have their big party, uh, party for the census in the building that Mayan Village used to be in. When I was a kid, I thought that building was a lot bigger than it really is. Oh, yeah, for sure. When you were in Millennium Village, you, you thought it was like this gigantic, huge building. But you go there now, and I mean, it, it is a big building. I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't, but it's a lot smaller than I remember it to be when I was younger. Yeah, I feel like that's how always things are. Everything seems bigger as a child. Um, but those are the things that we would want to see back. Obviously, a lot of different things and a lot of different parks. Um, the the draft that I want to do this week is very interesting. There's a lot of moving parts to it. It might take a while just because there's a lot of different categories. So what I call the draft this week is the best day ever at Disney. So what me and Andrew are going to do is we're going to draft a resort, our favorite resort, draft our favorite park, draft our favorite three rides, which don't need to be from that park. It's just favorite three rides. Um, Our favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner, our favorite pool, and our favorite fireworks show. So we're going to go back and forth and, you know, things might be stolen and things might be um, repeated on our list, but we need to obviously draft. So we'll go back and forth. I'll get first pick because you got first pick last time. And I'm going to pick a ride first. And I'm going to lock up Tower of Terror. That's a good pick. That's a real that's good a pick. First, first round pick. I think that's a strong first round pick. One of the best themed rides in all of any theme park thrilling ride pretty much your whole family can go on it when you're like three years old up uh you might get scarred when you go on when you're three years old um but other than that i think that's a very very strong first round pick you just don't tell them what's going to happen and they just experience it you know as it as it happens so i'm gonna i'm gonna stay in the same i guess genre and I'm going to pick my number one, 100% favorite ride in existence, and that is the Han Mansion. I knew you were going to pick that. I didn't want it. I didn't want it. <laughs> it's not really a surprise. I mean, it's not really a surprise that I I'm, I was going to pick that. So I got Han Mansion shirts and sunglasses and anything Han Mansion. I'm 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 all for so. Not not a big surprise that I came out of the gate with that one. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I'm actually going to go and pick the pool because I think there is a clear number one here, and I'm I'm picking out of need, and that's the Storm Along Bay. I believe that's what it's called at uh, the Yacht and Beach Club. The one with. Uh, with the, the sand water, bottom, the sand bottom, and the, the sick uh, water slide. Yeah, on the on the ship. Yeah, that one. That is a good one. So, I think so when you say pool, 
does it have to be a standalone pool or can it be a water park? Ooh, I didn't think about that. I think, oh, see, that opens up a whole new thing. I don't think, I don't think it'd be a water park, but I think it can be an item in a water park. Okay. All right. All right. I can, I can take that one. Which right. kind of screws me over because I think I wouldn't pick the swim on bay, but <laughs> I'm going to pick Well, that is also, that is the best standalone pool, though. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you I really can't. I think that's can't beat that. I think that's like one, yeah, one head and shoulders over any other pool on Disney property. So with my, you know, my new bending of the rules, I guess I'm going to take the Wayful in Typhoon Lagoon. Yep. Yep. That's a great pick. That might be. I, my, I've, that might I be personally have had pick. so much fun in there. That might be my number one pick. Like, I, if we, if I knew we were bending the rules, I think that's one. That's the one that goes right away. I mean, there's really nothing like it. Um, the the huge waves, like it's just so fun, I and mean, it doesn't get old. You can be in there for three hours; it doesn't get old. Um, that's what I mean. That alone, I think, makes Typhoon, Le- Typhoon Lagoon better than Blizzard Beach. is is just the wave pool. So, that's a great pick. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that. <laughs> and then they also have the water coaster now. I mean, it classic is classic is uh, always always great to me. So, I'm going to go next the fireworks show because I think this is once again. Of not a very deep category, and I'm gonna go happily ever after. Oh, really? I'm yes. surprised by that one. Happily ever after. I think everyone don't at me. It's way better than wishes. Wishes really focused on like the firework aspect of it. Happily ever after is a full show. The music is incredible. It invokes emotion. So don't at me. Wishes not as good as happily ever after. If you have a problem with me, tweet me, shoot me a Facebook message. I will not stand off that tape. <laughs> so I, I'm going to, I thought you were going to pick this one. So I was thinking about other ones, but I'm going to take Fantasmic. Yeah. I was thinking that. I was really surprised you didn't take that one. Fantasmic is not only a, it's, it's a complete show. It's not only a, a fireworks show it's a water show it's a stage show it's it's everything you can watch and i remember the first time seeing it or the seventh time seeing it i'm still i enjoy it every single time i see it it is amazing so wes i think the reason why i didn't pick it last time i saw phantasmic obviously the music's incredible the the, the story's incredible but the misters are not as clear as they used to be anymore. And I think that's something they need to redo because I feel like people lose a huge part of the story in the beginning um, with the misters not being as clear. And there, like, there was a seat, like where I was sitting when I was watching Fantasmic, you legit could not see um, uh, a lot of the, the scenes that were in Fantasmic, which was, 
really upsetting because it really does a good job setting up what the storyline is for that whole show. So that being said, I went happily ever after. You don't have to walk up a huge hill to get there. It's right there on the castle. You can get a seat right in front of the, the plaza restaurant and just have a good time and watch the show. So that's why I went over, happily ever after over Fantasmic. See, I went I went with Fantasmic because you don't have to stand. Well, you don't have saying. to like. No, I know. You don't have to. You don't have to play like you know intelligent games to get a seat and in a good spot to watch it. But I mean, I'm not taking anything away from from your pick, though. That is a great show, though. I think I'm going to go ride next because I don't think you're going to pick my resort. I don't think – I think we'll have similar stuff with restaurants, but I don't think you're going to pick the ones that I pick. So I'm going to do ride again. I'm going to lock up Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain's always been – obviously, it's going to change soon, but iconic – Probably my favorite ride. You don't in California. You get soaked at Disney World. You don't get as wet as people think. You get wet on the top usually. It's not something that's going to ruin your day, and it's it's super entertaining and it's a very long ride. You get some amazing views of the Magic Kingdom throughout the ride. The anticipation of the drop, the storyline. It's just it's a great ride. All right, so I'm going to go with my ride, and I'm going to pull Dinosaur. Really? I'm going to pull Dinosaur. All right, I, top the reason I like Dinosaur is because I love the picture they take. Okay. All-time best picture, because you always see, you know, either people freaking out or looking the complete other way, not not realizing what's going on. It's those pictures always make me laugh. But at the same time, I think they should update it or start uh, maybe fix it up a little bit. Or I remember the first time I went on it, which it was Countdown to Extinction. Right. I felt like it was a little different than it is now. I feel like they kind of watered it down a tiny bit with the scares and the intensity of the turns and the rocking and everything. So, yeah, I think it's still pretty scary, though. I think it's like one of the one of like the last rides in Disney World that's truly scary. Um, I mean, Tower of Terror, I think, is obviously scary. I think Haunted Mansion's not scary, and I don't think it tends to be. I think it means to be kind of spooky. Not as scary, um, but I think dinosaur. Like when that dinosaur is chasing you, and then it, it screams at you for the picture. I mean, that's it. It, it scars some people. People, you, I mean, you see people coming off crying there all the time. Um, I'm gonna go for my third ride, and it's gonna be Everest expedition to Everest. Um, I think. I think it's, first of all, incredibly themed. I think it's thrilling. I think it is the best roller coaster at Disney World, um, which is definitely a hot take, but I'll definitely make it. I think it's incredible. I think when the Yeti 
is working. I think it's very scary for people. I, th- I love the, the faces of confusion people have when you stop in the ride and people think it's broken down. Everyone's like, looking around, it's like, oh, it's broken down. And then you start going backwards and people are like, oh my gosh. And I think that's one of the best parts of any ride in Disney World. Uh, so Everest, I think, has to round out my my third pick of, of my rides. And my my last pick, I'm actually going to take Kil- Kilimanjaro Safari. Okay, that's a good pick. I I really I, I like you know seeing the animals and going through it, and it was even more fun at the beginning, which I understand why they changed it, but. There used to be a story on the ride where you were trying to chase poachers out of the nature reserve, and there was a truck that, like, shot at the at the thing, and big speed chase, and people being arrested at the end, and a symbol one baby elephant in the back of a truck waving at you with its trunk. I mean, it just I, I like that it had like more like an exciting story than just going through and seeing the amazing animals. I'm not taking that away, but it, it, it kind of like made it a little bit more well-rounded why you were doing what you were doing and how everything worked and all that. So They're not at the red clay pits, symbol one. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, park. Just park overall. This changes probably every day, but I'm just going to go with the basic answer, Magic Kingdom. That is the, that's the park that has the most rides for my small children to ride. Um, they seem to enjoy it the most. Uh, so I am going to stay at Magic Kingdom. So I'm going to – all right, so I got like a two-part answer. As an adult, now, my favorite ride is definitely Epcot. I love all the food. I love, part, yeah. I love all of that. And it's it's relaxing. I like seeing all the all the all the world showcase and journey to imagination and mission space and Test track. My son loves test track. My son loves cars. So obviously he loves test track. So that's always something that he looks forward to riding and uh, has a lot of fun designing the car, seeing how it does and the little, little fake tests that they put it through. So I'm going to pick Epcot as an adult when I was a kid. I, uh, I actually liked Animal Kingdom because I was really into nature and animals when I was little. So, okay, I think those are good picks. Um, so I think all we have left is food in the resort. So I will go. I'll go my breakfast first. I'm gonna have breakfast at Kona Cafe. I think it's uh, very underrated. I think it's got some good options. You got the Tonga toast that you can have. You can have a, a nice sit-down meal there right before you go to Magic Kingdom where you get off to the, the, uh, the monorail. It is – the Polynesian is one of my favorite resorts. Great smelling in there. Uh, very relaxing feel. So I'm going to go Kona Cafe for breakfast. This is actually a, a hard one for breakfast because 
I've, I've heard, I mean, in our family, we usually eat breakfast in the kitchen in our hotel that we have. Usually yeah. we, we make breakfast. We don't usually go out and eat breakfast. But with that being said, we have gone to breakfast and I think it's called the Crystal Palace in yeah, Magic, Magic Kingdom. And it, it's a buffet and it has a lot of a lot of classic breakfast food and they have characters walking around and probably one of my favorite memories of my son meeting a character is when he met Winnie the Pooh who he actually sleeps with a stuffed Winnie the Pooh every night and him just losing his mind with excitement because now there's a gigantic version of like his little buddy that he sleeps with walking around and interacting with him so that was that was a fun moment for me. It's a good pick. I definitely like that. It's definitely a top five breakfast for me. I mean, I think the food is like average to above average, but the character interaction is really good. Um, for lunch, this is very difficult. I have like six restaurants listed. Um, I'm gonna go one with a little off the board that I don't think you have. I'm gonna go with Sanaa at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, just because of the bread service, I know it's a little bit of a unique food, but they got the lamb skewers there. They also got the, the brine in non bread, which is like basically like a sausage and non bread, which is fantastic. Um, it's very, very relaxing in there. It's very, very cool on a hot day. It's like kind of cavernous. Um, and then if you get a window seat, you can look at the savannah and the animals. Um, so Sanaa, I'm going to have Sanaa for lunch, which is going to make my dinner very difficult. So for lunch, it's going, my choice is going to be very interesting because I'm actually going to pick a, uh, I think it's called a counter service, like a walk up. I'm going to, I'm going to pick Columbia Harbor house. Okay. It's a pretty good pick. I, I know that it's not a classic restaurant and all the other stuff, but I, I personally like the food they have there and the options. You got the chicken or you can get shrimp or get soups. And again, maybe it's across the street from one of my favorite rides. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But all through my life and your life, that's always been a, a place that we always, you know, got a snack or sat down for a couple of minutes, get, got some food. It was a very, very stable place to eat throughout throughout our lives, at least. So I think it was better like five years ago. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just think it was – I think it's still good, and I think it's a good pick. I think it's probably the best counter service at Magic Kingdom. That being said, I think it was better five years ago. I think it was the chicken was better. Uh, they were more chicken strips than chicken nuggets, which they really changed that across all of Disney parks. And I feel like the the soups aren't. I don't think they really have like a great option of soups anymore. Where they had like a ton of soups back in the day, and you can have bread bowls and like it was just a. I think it was a better setup uh, like five years ago. But that being said, it's still good. I think it's still a good pick. Um, yeah. I'm going to pick my resort because I'm hoping you pick one of my restaurants for dinner. So I don't need to make it. I'm not going. 
I know <laughs> I'm not going to. So. Great. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick my resort. I'm going to go with the boardwalk. Um, boardwalk is not one that we own DVC points at. And if you were going to pick Boardwalk, I would have probably picked Animal Kingdom Lodge or Old Key West just because we're used to it. But I just love the energy of the Boardwalk and, and what uh, it's close to. Obviously, really close to Epcot, really close to MGM or Hollywood Studios. But just the energy of the Boardwalk itself. Obviously, the rooms are beautiful. Um, I've actually had the chance to stay at Concierge level there, which was incredible. Um me and Sarah, my wife, got upgraded on our honeymoon randomly, and it was legit the coolest room that we've stayed in, the best service that we've gotten. And then you have the boardwalk right there with Trattoria Al Forno. You got the Flying Fish. You got the ESPN Club. You got uh, Jelly Rollers. You got the Yachtsman. Not too far. And then those two parts. So I think the boardwalk is my favorite. So, well, he named the two places I was going to name. So, I I, pers- I personally enjoy Old Key West and Animal Kingdom. I think I'm going to uh, – well, Old Key West has been, you know, our standby our entire lives. And, obviously, I like the size of the rooms of Old Key West, and I like the kind of peaceful feeling to it. It's not a very loud place. It's not – you can kind of – it almost feels like a home. Yeah. But at the same time, Animal Kingdom Lodge is super awesome. Again, has very big rooms, very spacious rooms. And also, I I enjoy having the ability to get the bread service, which is super great. That is one of the highlights. And I love going down there and us all getting bread service and having a couple drinks and just relaxing and it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I agree. You're really going to make me uh, pick my dinner out of like four different four different options. All I'm going to so, say is I know for sure you're not going to pick my choice. How about okay. that? It's fine. Um, I'm going to give you all the restaurants that I have, and then I'll pick one. Um, I think the Yachtsman, I think – very very underrated i think a lot of people talk about like victoria and alberts and, and some of the fancy restaurants on walt disney world the yachtsman steakhouse is you know once again pretty fancy i mean you're, you're not going to wear a shirt and tie but you probably need to put a collared shirt on to go there uh very very nice um steaks are incredible you know definitely on the pricey side but you're you're paying for what you're getting it's a it's a very nice steakhouse I would compare it to a steakhouse that you have in Chicago, which, um, you know, we have some of the best steakhouses in the nation in Chicago. So I, I definitely think it would be comparable, the food. And obviously you get that Disney service along with the food. Uh, so that's a great pick. I'm not going to pick that. Uh, California Grill, obviously. I think it's uh, – I haven't been there in forever. But just that you can watch the fireworks up there. It is a little bit – uh, heavy on the seafood, but you, I could definitely find something on the menu to eat, um, and everything is very, very good. Uh, very expensive, once again. Um, so I will not be picking that one. Um, Have you ever actually been to California Grill? I don't know I, if I've ever. 
I think you. I think you have. I think I have too. Like back in the day. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think I remember going with grandma, but um, Vianopoli and uh, Epcot. Very, very good. Very, very good pizza. Very underrated pasta. You see everyone getting the pizza, but the pasta there is very fresh. Fresh mozzarella. I mean, we're half Italian, so this really hits home for us. And I think it's just so much better than what they used to have there. It's such fresh ingredients. You can taste the fresh ingredients. Um, you actually really get good service there, too, which sometimes is an issue. It was sometimes an issue when we used to go to uh, the Italy, the Italian pavilion at Epcot, um, but we've never had an issue with service. They're very accommodating with a huge party that we have usually, um, and obviously the Arancini's are incredible. We can order 15 orders of the rice balls and, and not be satisfied. That is not going to be my pick either. <laughs> uh, my actual pick is going to be Chef Art Smith's homecoming at not surprised it's i think the best restaurant on property uh everything there is fantastic even if you're not a big fried chicken person you can get their appetizers or their sides and they're so good uh i have not tasted anything there that i do not like um service is great atmosphere is amazing they have great cocktails great moonshine there um great iced tea there. I mean, great sweet tea. It's just a great, like, southern-feeling fried chicken, home-style kind of restaurant where it's my favorite outside of Palo on the Disney Cruise Line. So I'm definitely going to go with homecoming for dinner. Well, I'm going to go across the sidewalk from oh, Art Smith. Yeah, now you know. I know where you're going. And I'm going to go Morimoto's. <laughs> And I love Morimoto's. They have the best ribs on the face of the earth. They are so delicious. They fall off the bone. They're well-seasoned. Oh, man. And my mouth is starting to water just thinking about them right now. And all the, all the food is really, really good. My parents went there without me once. After I went there, I was fairly upset by this, but... They, they fell in love with it, ordered like almost everything off the menu, and they couldn't stop talking about how great it was. And yes, I know, Alex, you are not the biggest fan of Morimoto's, but also you're not a huge fan of Asian food, so I think there's not some surprising. stuff there that are, was there that... I liked, but I feel like you guys ordered a bunch of stuff that I didn't like. I don't know. When I went there, I just wasn't in the mood for that kind of food. But I mean, I had the rice that was good. The you know the egg rolls were pretty good. Um, the ribs were really good, like you said. I tried the ribs; it was really good. Um, but that being said, I just would rather go to homecoming across the road. <laughs> so I mean, that that's where we definitely separate. So to recap, my resort is the Boardwalk. My park is the Magic Kingdom. My three rides are Tower Terror, Splash Mountain, and Everest. My breakfast was Kona Cafe. 
which if I didn't get that, it was going to be Trattoria Alforno at the boardwalk. Great character breakfast. Very underrated if anyone's looking. My lunch was Sanaa. My dinner was Homecoming, which is the goat. Um, my pool was Stormalong Bay. Fireworks show was Happily Ever After. You want to go over yours? So my my resort was Animal Kingdom Lodge. My ride was my first one was Han Mansion. Uh, my you get dinosaur. A dinosaur and the did I say So oh, Kilimanjaro Safari. And then my breakfast was uh, Crystal Palace. My lunch was Columbia Harbor House. My dinner was the Great Morimoto's. My pool was the Wave pool at Typhoon Lagoon. And then your fireworks. Am I missing was, something? Your fireworks was fantastic. Oh, my fireworks was fantastic. So I think I crushed you on the rides. I think it's it's a non-contest on the rides. I think you got me on the pool. I think the food, uh, the food, the fireworks show, the resort, and the the park is kind of a wash. So I think it's pretty much a tie. Maybe I'll make a poll on our Facebook page who won, but uh, I think those are really tells kind of our unique way of experiencing the parks and what our perfect day is at Disney. So other than that, that's pretty much it. Obviously it looks like we've been going a little long here. Uh, Definitely want to wrap up this episode and everyone thanks for listening. We appreciate all the feedback on our Facebook. Obviously, like I said, we have all these followers and we want to guys, we want to get you guys involved. We're planning um, not only an interview for someone that went to the parks yesterday on opening day, but then also we're, we're hopefully planning a, a, a Q&A episode where you guys ask us questions through the Facebook page and we, we spend some time to, to answer those questions. But other than that, do you have anything else, Andrew? No, that I've, I'm I'm good. I just want to say everyone should have a, a magical day, and hopefully we'll see you real soon. Yep, and have have a good afternoon, have a good morning, have a good evening whenever you're listening to this, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right.